is hey, this is Dave from CheapWineFinder.com, and today we are pretty much starting off the um, the holiday wine review season. Uh, we have a season two. This is our big time of the year, and we get to drink all the party wines and tell you all about them. And today we have one of my favorites. Um, it's under fifteen dollars. It's a bubbly from New Mexico. This one is the Gruet Blanc de Noir. Uh, Blanc de Noir translates to white from black. Um, I know uh, white wine grapes are green and red wine grapes are purple or whatever, but uh, they can name it whatever they want. Um, and this is a Pinot Noir based uh, bubbly, uh, 75% Pinot Noir, 25% Chardonnay. And um, most of it's from New Mexico. They have, uh, Gruet has vineyards uh, around truth or consequences. And, but they can't grow enough grapes to supply demand. So I, th- uh, I'm not sure where the, the, uh, the website doesn't say where the other grapes come from, but I'm pretty sure that it comes from both Washington state and California. Uh, so there you go. Um, uh, Gilbert, uh, Gouret, um, has a start out in the fifties. He, and we, we went through this a little more in depth in the, uh, the review, uh, but he, uh, he, he went through, um, uh, started with a vineyard in Champagne in the 50s and in the 60s started his own uh, Champagne house. And so he heard about uh, New Mexico as one of the new places where grapes could grow that really hadn't been discovered yet. There's, a, I guess there's a core of some French winemakers out that way making wine. You don't really hear too much about it. And one of the things about uh, off the beaten path wine um, wine places. Uh, there's, you know, there's Virginia, there's Ohio, there's Michigan. New York's doing better. Finger Lakes are pretty much everywhere, but there's there, almost every state's got a wine area. And one of the things they can't do is they can't make enough of it to make the prices low enough that everybody will buy it and they can compete with uh, the West Coast wines. And but uh, Gruet seems to have. Uh, see how I note I said Gruet one time, Gruet the next. I'm covering all my bases there. They seem to have figured out how to make enough uh, bubbly to pretty much um, keep everybody happy. And this is, like I said, a um, a Pinot Noir-based uh, wine, which I just figured out recently after all these years of drinking bubblies and that I like Pinot Noir-based bubbly better than I like Chardonnay-based bubbly. And it's for some reason, that, that light bulb never went off in my head until just like the other day. When I decided that all the ones I liked had Pinot Noir in them, that's just a personal preference, but I'm kind of predispositioned to like this bubbly, and I'm going to take a sip. This is a really well-balanced, nice little bubbly here, and I'll I'll sip it, and I'll talk about it. Yeah, I mean, the the acidity is really well-balanced. You know, sometimes this, I think I found it for $13.99, and sometimes bubbles with... um, on the lower end, and you know, and compared to champagne, this is, you know, this is a third the price of champagnes. The acidity can be a little sharp, and the bubbles can the bubbles can actually be sharp. The longer uh, for the traditional method, this isn't the traditional method. The same way as champagne, uh, prosecco, charmant methods, a different way. It's newer technology, but we're, this is we're talking about the uh, the champagne way, which is the traditional method. Um, here the the second fermentation lasts eighteen months, which is enough to get the bubbles really nicely incorporated in there. Uh, if you ever taste a bubbly that tastes kind of creamy, that pretty much indicates that it was in the bottle. 
um, for a fairly long time. 18 months isn't really enough to make it creamy, but it does take the edge off things. And that's what this one has. And it has these light, delicate flavors. Uh, some vanilla, some cherry, um, I mean, some grapefruit. Um, it's got the Anlis, that nutty, salty thing. I even had a little tangerine on the, on the mid-palate. This pears and peaches, but all delicate, all light, just floating around, which is what kind of what you want with a champagne. You don't want some heavy-handed champagne. You want it just to be just barely there, and that's kind of nice. And the acidity is, uh, is sneaky. I mean, it, it doesn't bite. You don't really notice it. But you're going to be like, I already have the bottle in my hand or about ready to take a sip. And I'm looking at my uh, DAW. DAW is what you use to record these things. And it's only been in a minute and a half since I took the last one, two minutes. And I'm my, my brain's going, take another sip. And I think I will. That's a good acidity to me. I love, I love wines that kind of trick you into drinking another sip. That's. When your brain goes, the acidity is fine. You know, it's kind of like um, the same concept of like put pretzels on a bar when you're drinking beer. The more salty things you have and the more beer you drink, we'll hear the more acidity that's nice and balanced along with the flavors make you take another sip. And taking another sip of bubbly is one of the finer things in the world. And that's kind of what this is. This is a bubbly. I have had the Gruet, uh, the one above it. Uh, um I think they call it extended triage nowadays. Um, back when I had it, I think it had a different name. Extended triage means it's been in the in the bottle longer. This one's eighteen months, and I'm not sure what the the other one was, but it was at a, a bubbly tasting, and it was beating um, champagnes that were eighty ninety dollars. And you know, the, and it wasn't just me though. Me is the only one that counts with my taste, you know. Um, you know, at some point, it doesn't matter what everybody else likes; it's what you like. But the consensus was is that the twenty-eight dollar Gruet, and I think it's basically the same as this, only longer in the bottle, was beating seventy-dollar champagnes. And that was you know one-on-one tasting where you were comparing directly with other wine, other champagnes, and other bubblies and cavas and everything else. So these are really well-made bubbles. Really well-made bubbles. And the instance, Gruet actually has a champagne house in Champagne. It's not as if he's a Johnny-come-lately. He knows how to make bubbly. And, you know, most people can, when it comes to champagne, most people can maybe name 10 uh, champagnes. And there's hundreds of them. I mean, there's so, you know, it's not, not as if, I mean, there's there's a lot of people making a lot of champagnes. And, you know, so so... That you there's champagnes that are really high regard that no one even knows about. So when you see these out of the ordinary champagnes from New Mexico that taste great, why aren't they as good? Why aren't they just in a, more inexpensive? I mean, that's really a question. I'm drinking this thing. I can't tell you a reason. Well, I can't tell you anything that's wrong with it. I mean, this this is a non-vintage wine. Every year should be the same. And in 2010, Wine Spectator gave it um, in the top 100 wines. Of the year. I mean, a $13, I think back in 2010, it was $12 or $10. It's gone up a couple of bucks in price in the meantime. You know, so if it's in the top 100 wines and it's under $15, why can't it compete with champagne? 
And that, that the answer to that is, of course it can. I mean, you don't have to like it better than champagne. You, you can, you can't, or you can't. It's up to you. But the quality of inexpensive wines have risen in all categories to the point where sometimes price is meaningless. You know, if it's good, it's good. And, and sometimes the wine, more expensive wine, how good can it get? Yeah, I mean, I've had real expensive wines that'll blow your mind. But most of them are just, hey, that's really good. And the difference between, hmm, I really like that and mm, I really, really like that isn't all that much. And if it's one wine's $12 and the other one's 57 you know, you kind of start thinking about things. And that's what these bubbles are all about. If it's a good bubbly and it tastes great and it doesn't cost a fortune, you know, <laughs> what? where does that put champagne wines that cost a lot of money? Now, I, you know, the best wine I ever had ever was a champagne. So I'm not knocking on champagne. I love champagne. But sometimes you got to think about, is the price worth it? I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, it's, there's anniversaries. There's times when you want to make, I mean, make a display, uh, you know, make a display of power. You're going to spend a lot of money on things. You know, so you're going to rent a limo. You're going to, you know, you're going to go to the finest restaurant in town. You're going to buy an expensive bottle of champagne. The, the, the event calls for it. But when you're just kicking back with friends and you want something great to drink, and if, if a really exceptional bottle of wine is thirteen ninety nine, like I have this one right here, then why isn't that good enough? And I think it is. And so that's where we're starting out today with the New Year's. Gruet um, is not a is, is no slouch. This stuff is good. I do like the Pinot Noir based wines, the Blanc de Noir. Chardonnay is great too. I don't turn that down ever. But this is a great little bubbly. And uh, check it out. I also have a link to our 2010 uh, review back when I was just a little baby wine reviewer. And I seem to have loved it then, too. So some things change, uh, stay the same. And that's it for me. we got other things coming up. We're going to be fast and furious for the, uh, the month because there's a, l- a lot of partying to do. And we want to help you out, give you a few tips, uh, get you encouraged to go out and drink some great wine. And adios and bye-bye. And I'll talk to you just in a couple of days. Bye. Bye.